This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Yes, we have a really fun topic for you guys today. We're going to talk about starving yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and why it's so fun. It's not fun. But seriously, why on earth would somebody willingly skip meals? If you are having a very strong aversion to that idea right now, you are not alone. And in fact, that means that your brain and body are working just the way that they were designed to. Exactly. But why is it such a craze? I mean, every like the the Hollywood stars are doing it, like everyone and their dog is doing it. Why is this so popular right now? And it kind of it's just exploded in the past couple of years. And unlike a lot of the big fads that have come out recently, I actually am a big fan of this one. I am too. I wish I could do it. (laughs) So it's not every day that something explodes in popularity and we're not sitting here going, are you kidding me? Right. We're we're like, hey. Terrible idea. Hey, the science actually really backs us up really well. The biochemistry is really solid with fasting. So we're going to talk about why that is. But let's give you guys a little bit of background first about fasting. Go ahead, Tristan. In, In fact, let's talk about why the idea is maybe unappealing to you if you've never done it before. Now, Historically speaking, if we go back, 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 back in time to your ancient ancestors. Like hundreds of thousands of years. If you were to go to them and say, hey, did you know that people from where I'm from skip meals for days at a time voluntarily? They would slap you. They would be so angry with you for doing that. Why? Because <laughs> they didn't have the option, right? right? Food food for a lot of people throughout history was not easy to come by. It wasn't a luxury. They hadn't invented farming, so they didn't really have a ready supply of food all the time. Um, They didn't necessarily have easy access to prey and things that they could eat. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things that they, they just didn't have easy access to, which meant that they spent a lot of time between meals without any food at all. And that time was hunting and gathering. Like they had to work really, really hard to find their food. And grow it. Now, I'm not going to pretend that that was always that way through all of time, but it happened often enough that it led to some evolutionary changes in human biology. So because the body didn't always have access to food, sometimes for long periods of time, it developed the ability to take advantage of those periods of rest from food, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And it developed some evolutionary adaptations that turned fasting into this kind of supercharging activity. Which is fantastic, actually. Um, But before we get into those things, uh, let's talk about um, why it's so popular. I mean, basically almost every single religion implements some sort of fasting. Right. So we, at the beginning of this episode, we talked about how it's a new thing that's recently exploded. That's not necessarily true. It's It's just super sexy now. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a kind of a central part of a lot of civilization for a Mm -hmm. long time, but it was only thought of in a very spiritual religious sense. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily looked at as a health trend, something that's going to help you lose weight, right? People might have joked about it, but, but really most of the people that were fasting, they were doing it because it was part of their church worship, right? Exactly. And, and, uh, like we were saying, pretty much every 
major religion out there has a some kind of practice that fasting involves practice. fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely not new. Um, been around since the beginning of time, but also been a central part of civilization. And well, now and, in the and, last, yeah. and they implemented that fasting for reasons such as like cleansing and clear mindedness and higher enlightenment. And they probably obviously didn't know it at the time what was happening on a biochemical level. But what was happening on a biochemical level was a lot of cleansing. I mean, when people do do fasting, they um, their their minds clear up, their bodies feel better, they feel younger, they like they feel like there's this anti aging miracle going on. And so that's probably why religions have glorified fasting for so long. Because even though they didn't recognize there was this incredible biological domino effect happening in the body, they could feel it. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about looking at some of these ancient traditions, maybe not necessarily recent traditions, but when you go to the ancient ones, you tend to find that there are some very practical benefits that come with them. And it's not just about, well, this is what we do because that's what the scriptures tell us to do. Right. Right. So maybe let's dive into some of the benefits that they've been discovering Mm -hmm. about fasting in more recent years as it's become kind of a health activity, not just a cultural religious activity. All right, let's go. So to start with, uh, the one that I think a lot of people are pretty familiar with is that it helps a lot with your blood sugar and insulin regulation. Exactly. So with this one, what happens is that for one, your body kind of loses access to easy sugar. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, a lot of really cool things happen. One of the primary being that it doesn't need to release as much insulin. Mm-hmm. Now, should we go into kind of how diabetes develops? Because I think that might be really I, helpful. I think so. Let's go. All right. So so one of the processes of diabetes, kind of the really basic process, is that as we have really high levels of sugar in our system for a long period of time, like a chronic amount of time, our system has to make up for that high sugar by increasing insulin. Mm-hmm. Insulin's job is to help our cells take sugar in and utilize it within the cell, right? Within the cell. So think of insulin as the key to a lock that is on your cell membrane, basically. And insulin turns that lock and opens the door for sugar to enter your cell. Mm-hmm. So the more sugar is out there, the more insulin needs to be out there to mm-hmm. keep that balance going. Exactly. But what happens over time is that your cells start to become resistant to insulin, because your body is pumping out so... Okay, so our ancestors did not eat a lot of sugar. We probably... What are the statistics? We eat like 200 times more sugar today than we did like 100 years ago. Our bodies were not biologically designed to take in the amount of carb load and sugar load that we do right now. So what happens is we have this insulin spike and we have all this insulin rushing our cells and we're getting backlogged because there's only 10 doors and we're coming at those doors with 50 keys. And now what happens? We have this backlog and we have this resistance. And the more insulin stays in our bodies, in our bloodstreams, the more inflammation it triggers. Okay. Plus the sugar also cannot be taken into the cells, which means that it is free to float through the system, creating Mm -hmm. all kinds of havoc as well. Yep. So you ultimately end up with diabetes in that situation, which is awful and really uncomfortable and type two, but diabetes, let's be type two specifically. Very clear about that. Yeah. We're not Mm -hmm. talking about type one diabetes. Yeah. Different animal. Now there's another thing that happens too, when you have a lot of insulin in the system, and that is that it triggers a pathway in our bodies called the mTOR pathway. We're not going to go into the specifics of that, but essentially the mTOR pathway causes growth of tumors. 
So if you have cancer or you're at risk of cancer, this pathway is one of the really important pathways by which that cancer can grow and spread. Well, and here's the thing about the mTOR pathway is it, it triggers growth in the cells, period. Okay, So everything is supposed to grow and move and have this forward momentum. But when we flood the cells with insulin and then mTOR is going crazy, that is where we... We leave our homeostasis happy point and we go into a diseased state, if that makes sense. So mTOR has a solid purpose in our bodies, but when it's out of balance, that's when we start getting tumor growth and um, cancer cell proliferation. So one of the really cool things then about fasting is that by lowering blood sugar and thereby lowering insulin, we also inhibit that mTOR pathway. Exactly. And- Basically, you're fighting cancer. How awesome is that? Mm -hmm, Just exactly. from not eating for a little while. So the uh, I guess that covers that one, right? Well, on the opposite end, when we are fasting, it, we have the autophagy of cells. And um, we have cell recycling and regeneration by the AMPK pathway. All right. Now, so into that. there's a lot of words that we need to unpack, right? Yes. So, so what happens in our cells when we start fasting is that Initially, your body's using up its glucose and it doesn't take too long for it to run out of glucose stores, but then it's going to switch over to the glycogen stores. That's basically stored glucose in your cells, in your liver, mm -hmm. and it uses that to regulate the blood sugar levels in your bloodstream because it wants them to stay within a fairly narrow range. But eventually, after about 24 hours, it's going to run out of the glycogen as well. And what happens in that case is that the ATP, which is the energy source of the cells, all depletes, turns into ADP, and that ADP triggers triggers AMPK. AMPK. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's let's kind of recap. Typical diet: we're eating foods, turns into glucose. We use the glucose as energy. We have the ATP cycle happening, so we're creating energy. Now we take that glucose away. The next step the body does is it goes into glycogen stores. Those stores are in the liver and in your muscles. Once it runs out of glycogen, it goes to triglycerides and breaks down those triglycerides. And then that's, and so the triglycerides then break into a different form of glucose, right? Right. So, and so, that's what triggers the AMPK. Well, that's a, that's a, yeah, kind of a parallel process, mm -hmm. but they are happening at the same time. And so one of the things that happens is this AMPK triggers autophagy. So let's explain what autophagy is. That is where your cells realize that they are low on energy and to be more efficient, they start recycling parts. Mm -hmm. That means they're going to go and find proteins that are maybe damaged, less than optimal, and they're going to repurpose them to work better. And or just chuck them out. Or just get rid of them entirely. Metabolize them, eat them, throw them away. And what ends up happening is you start cleaning house. It's like your cells are cleaning themselves out and becoming renewed. So it's a really cool process by which we sort of rejuvenate ourselves at a cellular level. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever heard people talking about cleanses and detoxes and how wonderful they are, that's really what they're aiming for. They're trying to accomplish autophagy in so many words and fasting is demonstrated to get you there. So in a lot of cases, you could skip the detox and go straight to the fasting to get some of these benefits. Now, coming back to what Jeanique was talking about earlier, 
when we get low on the glycogen levels, the body does switch over to burning fats. So it starts turning triglycerides, which are essentially fatty acid mm -hmm. energies, right, into glucose. And that process is called ketosis. Now, ketosis is fantastic because it is fat burning. And that's mm -hmm. sort of, for a lot of people, that's the holy grail of health, right? I'm going to start burning fat and thereby losing weight. So there's a wonderful benefit of it right there. However, it also is really beneficial in helping us to get rid of all kinds of garbage that tends to get stored up in our fat cells. Mm -hmm. So there's another really big positive of it. So we haven't done a podcast yet about it, yet about it but we are exposed to thousands of chemicals daily. And our bodies don't know how to get rid of these chemicals, especially on our standard American diet, where we're not eating high fibrous foods for those chemicals to latch onto that insoluble fiber and flush it out. So what happens is we ingest these chemicals, we inhale them, we breathe them, we put them on our skin, and then they get stored in our fat cells. And they can potentially be with us for decades, uh, wreaking havoc, causing inflammation, brain fog, you name it. So when we go into ketosis and fat burning, that's when our body is able to finally dump all those chemicals and toxins that we've been holding on for years and years and years. And there's a whole process with that that we'll have to cover in another, another episode time. because yeah. there are a lot of things you want to watch out for with that. If you start burning fat at a really high rate, you can kind of go through some un unwell feelings for mm -hmm. a while. So, but we'll come back to that in another time. And let's, let's start talking about some of the other benefits here, mm -hmm. particularly inflammation, which in my opinion might be one of the most important things that happens so on important. a fast because mm -hmm. as we lower blood sugar, we lower insulin, we basically stop a lot of the digestive systems that can cause inflammation, that level of inflammation reduces dramatically. Exactly. Not only are we reducing inflammation by reducing our insulin and the backlog of insulin, but we are also taking out the potentially inflammatory foods that we're eating on a daily basis. So I always say this, you have three opportunities a day to either build your body up or break it down. Most of us are eating foods that are breaking our bodies down through the process of inflammation because our bodies can't handle it. They can't digest it. It triggers an autoimmune response. And then we are hurting. We have disease. We are, um, we're sick. And so by simply fasting, you are completely taking away the micro dosing of poison that the standard American diet truly is. And inflammation tends to cascade out into several other areas. So by reducing our inflammation, we also tend to benefit our heart our heart health mm -hmm. can increase. We tend to result in lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, mm -hmm. which makes us stronger, makes us less vulnerable to heart attacks down the line, strokes, pulmonary embolisms, all of that. Exactly. Uh, we also really benefit our brain quite a bit. Brain inflammation is a huge problem that leads to things like brain fog and, and memory uh, issues. Yeah, I was going to say, what is brain inflammation? It's exactly that, brain fog, like inability to remember things, and long-term that leads to all kinds of things like dementia and Parkinson's and all kinds of bad bad neurological disorders. So now, really, on. really cool thing about the brain is, aside from just the inflammation aspect, there's a lot of research showing that it stimulates nerve cell growth. When you are fasting, right? When you, when you fast, mm -hmm. yep. It stimulates nerve cell growth. And it stimulates the release of something called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is a really important 
chemical in protecting our nerve cells. It helps mm -hmm. the production and the preservation of these nerve cells. So you are essentially keeping yourself younger by fasting mm -hmm. through better cognition, better memory, just better brain function overall. Absolutely. You're protecting your heart. So you're keeping yourself younger that way. You're potentially burning a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you see you're rejuvenating yourself at a cellular level? The benefits of this are just immense and they cover virtually every aspect of health right. because they're affecting these very core processes that take place inside of us. Exactly. And then uh, what else are we missing? The very here? last thing when you are fasting is it's giving your digestive organs time to rest and heal and repair. And I always explain this to my clients like this. Imagine if you went to the gym every single day and just did bicep curls your biceps would get sore and like first they'd get strong, but then they'd get sore and atrophy, atrophy because they're being overused. Now, when we think of our digestive organs, we don't really think of them like muscles that you have to work out and then rest and heal and repair so that they're stronger. So what we do is we completely abuse our, dig our digestive tract. And that includes our stomach, our small intestine, our large intestine, our gallbladder, our pancreas. And we, because of the way that we eat today, which is all the time, high sugary foods, fatty foods that are very inflammatory, we are overexerting our digestive organs. And so they... Honestly, they poop out on us. They are overexerted. They're tired. And then what happens? We start cutting them out, right? What is the first thing doctors do when you have a stomach pain? They cut out your gallbladder, mm -hmm. okay? Because we are overtaxing our gallbladder or undertaxing it with really bad fats. And so, um, so when you do a fast, it really just helps your gut and your, um, your other co-organs to just heal and repair and take a break from the work that you are overexerting them with. Because our ancestors didn't eat nearly as much as we did, not even close. And the foods that they ate had far less sugar. So we eat sugar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everything's overtaxed, everything's overused. Sugar is spiking all over the place, insulin spiking. And we we just we honestly just have this mentality of, oh, my body's gonna deal with that just fine. It's not. Mm -hmm. It really like if you could take a magnifying glass and look inside your bloodstream, your body chemistry, your organs, like you would see everything is not okay. And so fasting really gives your body that time to just stop, heal, rest from the abuse that we are exposing it to on the daily. So hopefully by now you're starting to get a really good idea of how much benefit you could get from this. But I understand if you are still very hesitant about whether this is something you'd be willing to do, right? Mm -hmm. Once again, that idea of skipping meals for potentially days on end is very, very daunting. So now let's talk about some of the options you have with fasting because it's not just an all or nothing type thing where you're going for days without any kind of food at all whatsoever, mm -hmm. or you're not doing it at all. So uh, maybe let's jump into what's probably the most uh, commonly known form of fasting these days, which is the water fast. Exactly. Now with water fasting, you're just not eating food. That's pretty straightforward. You can have as much water as you want and you should have lots of it, but you, you don't eat any food and it can go for really three to five days is most common. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people take it to an extreme and they go like 30 days, 
but we're not going to really get into that. We're going to focus more on this three to five day range here. And normally they're going to like clinics and doing that. And they're being mm-hmm. constantly monitored by doctors and nurses and physicians. So we don't recommend you do that at home. You probably should have a medical expert help guide you through those two week to 30 day fast. Definitely. And in my experience, I've found that three to five days tends to be a very manageable amount of time to do a water fast. It's long enough that you're getting all of the benefits of a fast, but it's also short enough that you're not necessarily putting yourself at any risk, Mm -hmm. especially if you follow some of the tips that we're going to talk about in a little bit here to make sure that you are on track with it. Now, that being said, still Uh water fasting is not for everybody. I would never say every single person listening to this right now needs to go out and do a water fast Mm -hmm. because that for some people could be extremely dangerous. So the people that a water fast isn't good for, if you're pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, um, if you are underweight, um, water fast is not really recommended for you. Yeah. Those are the three very obvious categories, but there is one more kind of a fuzzy category and that is people with really high stress loads, mm-hmm. particularly to the point where your adrenals are being overly taxed Exactly. because while fasting has a ton of awesome benefits, it is a stressor on your system. Mm-hmm. And while I consider it a U stress, that EU stress that we've talked about before, which is generally very positive, it still contributes to that overall stress load. And if that overall stress load was really high to begin with, this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back for you and sends you into a very unpleasant feeling awful and sick Mm -hmm. and like you've got a nasty flu, that sort of thing. So, and especially in women. So let's say someone, I'm going to say there's a healthy person who has a healthy stress load and they're just tapping into their cortisol, um, let's say bank account every now and then. But then we take someone who's high strung and they are maxing out their cortisol bank load to the nth degree. Now, let's take that person who has maxed out their bank account with cortisol and then they go on a fast. What the body starts to do is it starts to hijack progesterone because it needs more cortisol. So it will take progesterone, which is really, really healthy women for our to have proper progesterone levels to have um, no PMS symptoms, PCOS. Uh, We don't... If you have unbalanced progesterone, we have um, PMS symptoms, basically. So now we are doing a fast. We are tapping into our progesterone bank account to feed our cortisol bank account. And our body is now going into hormonal like stress through the nth degree. And I'll, I'll just throw in there that men need a certain amount of progesterone too. Mm-hmm. And so for them, you can still run into the same issues. It tends to be less common, but mm-hmm. it can still happen. Exactly. So, so that is one area where what I would prefer to say is, hey, you need to take extra good care of yourself while you're doing this fast. Now, before you go on, a really good sign that you are stressed to the nth degree is, do, are you, do you tend to get hypoglycemic? Because when we have these massive like mountains and valleys of um, insulin and hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia, you know that your body is stressed. So, so just to be really clear on what that is, you've got high blood sugar, which is hyperglycemia, and you've got low blood sugar, which is hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. Low blood sugar feels terrible. It's like you you're have shaky, no energy. You're shaky. You feel like you're gonna faint. Headache. 
It's hard mm-hmm. to think very clearly. Exactly. So not, if, not a fun place to be. So if you're in that space, a lot of the time, you know that your cortisol is through the roof. Your body is really struggling with its hormonal imbalances imbal- and imbalances. Because remember, insulin is a hormone. There are, you know, they all work in conjunction. They're kind of like a four-tiered stool. Your thyroid, your insulin, your sex hormones, your adrenals. Like if they are not all happy at the same time, we have a very wobbly stool. So you have to protect all four hormonal systems all the time. So make sure that you are in that healthy hormonal space before you consider a water fast. Now, I'm not going to leave you totally on your own to figure this out. I've actually put together a questionnaire to help you see where you're at in your fast readiness. And you can take that for free at gutsy.ch slash fast dash ready. So one more time, that is gutsy, G-U-T-S-Y dot C-H slash fast dash ready. And you can answer several questions and then we will give you a score plus sort of some guidelines to help you decide where am I at in terms of my ability to fast right now. Mm -hmm. And that can help you make a decision going forward about whether a water fast is the most appropriate for you. Should you find out that it's not, don't you worry. We have other options for you. Exactly. And what are those options? So, Well, thank you for asking. You're welcome. (laughs) The next one on the list is intermittent fasting. And this is almost an entirely different category, but it, it has a lot of the same benefits. So it's definitely worth talking about here. Intermittent fasting is where you limit the hours of the day during which you are eating food. Now, this is the type of fasting that you hear all the Hollywood stars are doing. So this is this is the sexy fasting approach. Oh, you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep okay. going. Okay. <laughs> so basically, um, the typical window for you to eat your food is a six-hour window. Now, some people are saying, well, that's way too hard. If you are a good candidate for intermittent fasting, what you can do is make your window 10 hours and then slowly every week bring it down. So do one week a 10-hour eating um, window, and then the next week you're doing nine, and then the next week you're doing eight until you work up to six hours. Now, people that are a really good candidate for intermittent fasting, um, now, you are you typically can't lose weight. You have insulin resistance. You have high blood sugar chronically. So again, going back to that, remember the the key, the insulin that is trying to open the doors, um, but the cell is resisting all that insulin because your body for years has just been over flooded with insulin. So now those doors are becoming those doors on your cells are becoming resistant. So to desensitize them again or make them more sensitive. Sorry, resensitize. Thank you. Thank you, babe. To resensitize them again, you want to do intermittent fasting because that gives your body, what's 24 minus six? 18. 18, <laughs> 18 hours you guys, of rest. I have such mom brain. Thanks, babe. Too much um, inflammation. She needs too, to fast. I know. No, I don't because I'm way too skinny. Um, it gives your body 18 hours to really use up all of that insulin and really unlock all of those insulin uh, doors basically on the cells. And so you're not over flooding your body with insulin chronically. Now, hopefully it's clear by now that intermittent fasting has a very broad definition. It, even for some people, 12 hours of not eating during the day, it's still intermittent fasting and it's a wonderful place to start. Some mm-hmm. people take it to a much greater extreme. They'll do 20 hours, 22 hours. Basically they eat one meal a day and it's that's a big meal. That's a whole other 
diet, but it kind of has the same benefits. Uh, what's really cool about this though, is you still can get a lot of the same benefits as you would with a water fast, because if it's long enough, as long as you deplete your glycogen stores, you're going to start burning fat for fuel, going into ketosis. You're still going to get the AMPK that triggers the autophagy. So your cells start rejuvenating themselves, taking out the trash. Um, and you're obviously Mm -hmm. getting the break from the insulin and the blood sugar. So So also there's a lot of experts that really love intermittent fasting because when you do the water fast, and we also recommend this too, we, we normally say do it seasonally, right? So once every three months Mm -hmm. now doing the five day water fast once every three months is sometimes not enough to help restore and reboot your body. So that's where intermittent fasting is fantastic because that's something that you can do every single day and reap those benefits, especially if you have a lot of inflammation and a lot for your body to clean up and heal from. Absolutely. And so you can get some ongoing benefits from it without the uh, excess burden, I guess, that can come with the water fast. Now, another advantage of it is that only waiting 18 hours to eat is a lot easier than waiting 72 hours up to 100 hours before you eat. So it can be a lot easier on your emotions Mm -hmm. to do than a water fast. That being said, there is a couple of disadvantages that we need to mention. One of them being that if you don't deplete those glycogen stores, then you're not necessarily getting the benefits Mm -hmm. of the fast. So you need to make sure that whatever length of time you're doing, you're working up to a long enough break between meals that mm-hmm. you're able to get rid of all that glycogen. And of course, what you eat for those meals yes. matters a lot too. So if you're eating a cake but for that six-hour window or that four-hour window, like you're most likely not going to hit ketosis. But if you're eating high-fat, high-fiber foods, um, you most likely will. So it's the quality of the food and the type of food that really is the game changer here. And since we're on the subject, we weren't necessarily going to talk about this, but what you eat when you end a fast is extremely important Mm -hmm. because the first thing into your system determines what happens with your gut microbiota. Yes. Because the gut microbiota, the different microbiome bugs in you that get mm-hmm. fed first tend to dominate the system. Exactly. And if you're feeding the bad ones, the, then if you're feeding the bad ones, the good stuff, they're going to proliferate and grow and take over. But mm-hmm. because again, you've been, you've been starving for these few hours. So everything's kind of dormant and laying low. So make sure you're introducing vegetables and good fats when you reintroduce foods, because you want those good bugs to really dominate and take over and keep the bad bugs at bay. So consider this one of the general, really good pieces of advice. No matter how long you go between meals, make sure your first meal of the day, whether that's in the morning or the afternoon or even the evening, make sure it's a really healthy meal. Yeah. Vegetable dominant. In other words, the opposite of what the industry wants to sell you, which Mm -hmm. is sugary cereal, toast, and orange juice. The opposite of all those things. <laughs> Which generally speaking, just do the opposite also, of what marketers Now, a lot of people will be like, okay, I'm just going to juice some vegetable juice. No, we don't want you doing that because there are a lot of vegetables that are very sugary. We're going to talk about juice fasting in a little bit, but, um, but make sure that when you, if you are introducing um, some vegetable juices first, it's something like celery or cucumbers or parsley and cilantro and spinach, things that 
do not sound appealing to juice, <laughs> you probably want to juice those first. The Actually, that, you do want to juice those first. Vegetables that don't have a lot of natural sugars mm-hmm. in them. So everyone loves carrot juice. We don't because it's just way too sugary. It's going to spike that insulin again, and we're just going to be back at one again. All of that really good stuff that we healed, we're just going to completely do a 180 again. So be careful. And that actually kind of covers the juice fasting category. We didn't intend to jump there yet, but I mean, that's basically it. Another option for people is to do juice fasting. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, because of the reasons we just talked about, we don't love juice fasting. Too many people turn it into a sugar spike for themselves. And then you start getting the the roller coaster ride of sugar levels and mm-hmm. insulin levels, which eventually leads to insulin resistance and right. diabetes. So exactly. be very, very careful if you decide to do juice fasting and try to keep it limited to those really healthy, low sugar vegetables mm-hmm. that Jenny talked about, the celery, the parsley, the spinach, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Exactly. Okay. Now, uh, Here's a version of fasting that I really, really love, especially for that category of people who are not in a place where they can do a water fast, and that is a bone broth fast. So maybe, Johnny, you can tell us about what bone broth is first, and then we can talk about how that would work as a fast. Bone broth is basically the juices of bones. Mm, bone juice. <laughs> that <Yeah>. sounds delicious. <laughs> it's actually amazing. So um, should I talk about how you make bone broth? Really like quickly, most- yeah. Explain how you make it. So you basically just, um, you don't boil, but you simmer the bones of um, chicken or beef. Um, some people do fish bones even. That mm. sounds disgusting. But um, but maybe there's something to it. But you, you basically, you take the bones of an animal, you put it in water, and you you simmer it for about uh, 12 to 24 hours. If you're using an Instapot, it's normally just two, two and a half hours. And what that does is it just pulls out all the minerals from the bones and the collagen and um, the vitamins that, um, that these animals store in their bone tissue, basically. And then you drink that. So it's, it's high in vitamins, minerals, salts, and fat. So it's all yummy, yummy, good things for your body. What's really awesome about it is that it's, it's elemental and that it provides the foundation of keeping you going Mm -hmm. without you needing to add in a whole bunch of other foods and the complexity that comes with that so that your body can still get the benefits of taking a break. Exactly. Right. We use it a lot with our our clinic patients Mm -hmm. who are struggling with digestion, right? Exactly. When their systems are just such a mess that it seems like every single food is causing them issues, bone broth is sort of our our Mm go-to. At the very least, we can do bone broth. And what's nice about it is that bone broth will keep you going. Exactly. It won't necessarily keep you satisfied and feeling like you're getting a lot of delicious food, Mm -hmm. but it keeps you going so that your body can heal. So no carbs in bone broth. So you can do bone broth and still go into ketosis, which is fantastic. So if you go and take that fast readiness survey that I told you about earlier and you get a really high score, which means that maybe a water fast isn't right for you, a bone broth fast might be the perfect substitute. Exactly. And you're still going to benefit a lot because you're not getting all that glucose. So your glycogen stores are still going to deplete. Your body's still going to go into ketosis and you're going to get the benefits of the autophagy. Exactly. So lots of great stuff that comes from doing the bone broth fast. I'm a huge fan of it. Just a side note with bone broth, if you're going to make it, throw in some yummy onions and carrots. Actually, don't do the carrots because it'll leach out the sugars. Yeah, don't do the carrots. But do yummy onions and celery 
and it's just delicious. It adds a really nice punch to it. Mm, and Almost like eating a real meal, but not. And then, yeah, add some nice uh, sea salt in there, mm-hmm. real salt, Himalayan salt, something like that. So, so good. It really is. It's, it's delicious. And it's a fantastic base for a lot of different recipes. So, okay. But we're talking about fasting, not eating. Yeah. So there's one more type of fasting that we need to mention, and that is dry fasting. Now, hopefully nobody out there considers this a legitimate form of fasting, but that's where you actually stay away from any kind of liquid as well as solid foods. Please don't do that. Now, up to 24 hours, fine. You'll be okay. But don't do that for a long period of time. But That's you just going to mess feel you good. up. No. Like you're going to have headache and just, oh my gosh, you're not going to feel really good at all. But there are some religions that do dry fasting for short periods of time. And right. I'm not going to tell them that they should totally turn away from that. But generally speaking, don't do the dry fasting water is your best friend because mm-hmm. remember all that cleansing that's going on in your system, it needs the water to help finish that process. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just going to get stuck. Now people that are doing a water fast for let's say five days, should they be taking minerals too? Yes, they should. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. So I was going to, I was going to get to that a little oh. bit eventually. Oh, so, uh. so, I was, just stalled the punchline. <laughs> you, oh no, that was the best part. No. So So in addition to water, you need electrolytes because the electrolytes help your system to stay balanced. When those electrolytes get imbalanced, you don't feel good. You get dizzy, you get tired, you get cold, you get cramps. I could go on and on about all the issues that come when you don't have enough electrolytes. And I can tell you, I have done a five-day water fast without electrolytes, and I have done a five-day water fast with electrolytes. It is a world of difference to have those on your side. It's Did you just, mention that you can like dehydrate yourself? With, like, with, without you have the water? electrolytes. Yeah. I didn't mention that. So you can actually dehydrate yourself because, um, because your cells hold all the vitamins and minerals and then you're drinking tons of water that there is, um, the, the, the vitamins, the minerals will start to be leached from your cells into the water and then you urinate out all of those um, vitamins and minerals. And so it's every time someone gets in the hocket, I always tell them you need to drink afterwards, but re like add minerals back into your water um, because you could make the dehydration worse. Same thing with fasting. Always make sure you have those minerals. Otherwise you can dehydrate yourself. And generally speaking, the more water you're drinking, the more of those minerals that you need to make sure you're keeping a good balance. But uh, a a couple of options for people that are wondering um, Redmond, make some minerals that are really good. No, isn't that, um, it's not Redmond. They're, they're the salt company. Oh, Trace Minerals. Trace Minerals, there you My go. My bad. They sell Trace Minerals at Redmond. It though. tastes like the ocean. Um, so <laughs> or, do or not expect anything. Yeah, or a pool. So don't expect anything amazing, but it does the job. There's another one that I'm experimenting with right now. It's from a company called Perfect Keto, and it's called Electrolytes but it has all of the necessary electrolytes in it. And it is uh, so far so good. I haven't started the fast yet, but I've been enjoying taking it. So So we'll know in about six days. Well, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know in a couple (laughs) of weeks. Um, All right. So let's, let's get back to the actual fast itself. We've talked about the benefits. We've talked about the types. Now let's talk about what you can do during the fast to not only protect yourself, but make sure that you actually are maybe enjoying yourself. Now, there are some things that you'll want to track while you're fasting. And no, you don't have to do this, but I can tell you having done several fasts myself and having helped a lot of other people go through fasts, tracking makes things a lot better. 
And when I talk about tracking, tracking, there are three things here that come up. One of them is your blood sugar or your glucose. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to do that. You just get yourself a glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. Now there is one downside to these and that's that you have to prick your finger and get some blood. Right. And that's kind of hard for a lot of people at first, but really it only takes a few pricks before you're it, telling it's no big deal. It. Yeah. But what that's going to do is help you keep track of what direction your blood sugar is moving in so that for one, you can see your progress, but for two, you can make sure that you're not heading into a dangerous zone mm -hmm. because there is a range that you're body likes to be in. And the particular range can vary depending on who you talk to. But generally speaking, I would say somewhere in the mid seventies up to somewhere in the high eighties, maybe low nineties mm -hmm. is acceptable. Actually ideal. Now, um, Tristan and I were talking about this earlier. We bet if all of our listeners right now had a blood glucose monitor and um, checked their glucose first thing in the morning, Nine out of 10 of you guys would be over 100. Probably. And your doctor still wouldn't bat an eye until because you hit at least 110. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't care until you hit 110. That's yeah. what they consider kind of the pre-diabetic, diabetic range. Right. And 110 to about 120 is where your blood glucose should be right after a meal, mm -hmm. you guys. Not right after you have woken up. Yeah, not after so, a fast, basically. So um, a good... So if, when your blood glucose is higher than 100, you are most likely pre-diabetic or again, you have insulin resistance. So you have all this blood sugar just swimming in your body, not going into the cells, and it's just wreaking havoc. It's causing all kinds of inflammation and, dis and disarray and disorder in your body. So I think everyone should honestly have a blood glucose monitor and be checking their fasting uh, blood glucose at least once a week. Now, I remember when we were, sorry, sidetrack here, you <laughs> guys, Tristan was checking his blood glucose every morning for like months. Mm -hmm. And we saw some really incredible patterns that I think you guys should know. So when he had a stressful day, his fasting glucose was about Shut 10 up. to 20 to 30 points higher. Mm -hmm. When he went to bed late, same thing thing. Mm -hmm. when, and, and obviously when he was eating more carby foods, his blood glucose was going up. But I found that really interesting. Stress and lack of sleep is going to shoot up your blood glucose. So if you are insulin resistant, if you are pre-diabetic, if you have high blood glucose levels, you need to check yourself, check your stress, check your diet, check your sleeping. Okay. Yep. And we're going to do a and lot heal that of sucker. About stress in the future, but yep, that's because really important. Like, like the, I can almost say like the root of all disease comes from an imbalance of sugar in the body. When we dis, uh, when we disrupt that homeostasis, that's when things, that's when the domino effect starts to collapse and create disarray and disease in our body. Right. So, so using the glucose monitor during the fast is a great way to see your progress. And it actually is really fun to see that number coming down every day. Things could potentially get too low. And that's a, another really good reason to check it. If you find that your blood sugar is dropping down into the low sixties or even the fifties and you're feeling terrible on top of it, mm -hmm. then that's a good sign that something is off. You need to probably call someone who knows what they're talking about so that they can guide you on what to do. And it's probably time to start breaking the fast. Now I honestly never see this happen. It's super rare for people who don't have major blood sugar dysregulation anyway. Mm -hmm. But if you do tend towards hypoglycemia, that low blood sugar, then this is something you'll want to watch pretty carefully. 
Exactly. Now, the other thing we want to track is your ketone levels. And once again, the ketones are what your body produces for energy when it's run out of glycogen and it needs to use fat instead. So it breaks up those triglycerides and produces these ketones, and then those become its energy level. And while you're in the fast, once you've fully entered into the fasting zone, that is your primary fuel source. And when your body is good at using those, you feel great. You feel normal. You feel happy in spite of the fact that you're not eating. It's really cool. But tracking it and seeing where your ketones are, personally, I prefer using a blood ketone monitor But there are other versions. If you haven't been in ketosis for a long time, then you can use a saliva strip or you can use a urine strip. And those will also help you get an idea of where you're at in terms of ketosis. However, I I very strongly prefer the blood monitor. And you can actually get blood monitors that will take the glucose strips and the ketone Mm. strips so that you can test both at the same time. you don't have to prick yourself twice. So... um, Wait. Yeah, I mean, potentially you don't. It, it depends. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes right. you don't get enough blood out and you have True. to prick twice. So I don't want to make any promises to people out okay. there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it guys. is But it is very convenient to have just the one device that helps you measure both. And here's what you want to look out for as far as safety goes. If you find that your glucose is shooting up and your ketones are shooting up really high, there's something going on. You might be entering into what's called ketoacidosis, which is one of the the big dangers that the doctors will warn you about with fasting. It's not common. And honestly, it takes a lot of work to get there. Usually it involves kind of a chronic condition going on underneath it all. But tracking will prevent you from getting into that danger zone. Okay. What's the third thing? So the third thing that you want to track, and again, not a necessity, but a huge bonus to the process is your heart rate variability. And what I mean by heart rate variability is how well your body is tolerating stress. So what happens with this system is they are measuring the changes in the space between heartbeats in terms of time. Does that make sense? Yes. So So your heartbeat, if you've ever measured it before, you probably saw, oh, my heart's beating at 70 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. But what's really happening is that sometimes your heart rate is up to 95 beats per minute. Sometimes it's as low as maybe 45 beats per minute, and you're just getting the average. But a really good heart rate variability monitor can actually help you see that pattern. And it shows up on a screen as kind of a wave pattern. And we want that wave pattern to be very steady and consistent. And we also want it to be very large because that tells us that we're handling stress well. We can respond to high stress quickly and effectively, but we can also recover quickly once the stress is passed. Now, you don't need to know all these things. All you need to know that there are apps that can do this for you. <laughs> right. So, because I know that's that seems really technical and stuff. But if you don't want to worry about the details, there are apps that worry about the details for you. So all you need to know is where am I at when I start? And mm-hmm. is that getting better or worse? Yep. Because we've talked a lot about how stress can make fasting a bad idea for you. Right. This is how you make sure that it's not becoming a bad idea for you in the middle of the fast. Exactly. So here, this is what's great about it. There are apps that you can download on your phone and measure your heart rate variability. Now, 10 years ago, when I first started getting into heart rate variability, there were no apps. You had to pay hundreds of dollars for these devices that you would carry around with you. 
And that was considered advanced at the time. Now you just download these apps. One of them is called Welltory. That's W-E-L-L-T-O-R-Y. And it'll even just use your finger to measure your heart rate variability. This is a really cool system where the camera on the back of your phone and the flash, the light, turn on and you put your finger over that and the light shines on your finger, which causes it to show a certain shade of red. Mm -hmm. With the pulsing of your blood. Right. Basically. And it uses that to see your heartbeat, basically. And it's measuring that heartbeat to get your heart rate variability. Now, if you want to get even more specific with it, you can actually get an EKG monitor, the same kind you would use at the gym. And there's an app called Elite HRV that you can get. And I love this app. I've been using it for a long time. But generally speaking, these two things will help you to track your stress levels during the fast. And if they start to get too high, that's a good sign that it's time to start coming out of the fast because you might end up doing more harm than good at that point. Now, I want to talk about the ketones real fast. There, So let's say we have two different people starting the fast at the same time. Now, person A can hit ketosis within 24 hours. And then person B, it can sometimes take up to three days. At least, yeah. Yep. And so what is the difference between those two? The difference is the one person B has insulin resistance, has um, is probably has had issues with their weight in the past. And so it's so if you are doing a fast and you find that your body is having a harder time going into ketosis, that's a really good sign, guys, that you've had insulin resistance for a really, really long time and that you should probably consider incorporating fasting in your lifestyle to help reprogram your cells and your body to utilize insulin better. I think probably some people also just naturally store higher levels of glycogen. So it mm-hmm. takes longer to deplete those levels of glycogen. There's also people have different uh, metabolic demands where mm-hmm. some people just burn through sugar really quickly, mm-hmm. whereas others don't. And that's going to take longer for that second group of people to deplete their glycogen and switch over to the ketosis phase. Exactly. So, but. Even even in that case, the fact is that if it takes you a long time to get there, that's a good sign you need to do it more often. Exactly. And consider maybe increasing your fat intake on a regular basis and decreasing mm-hmm. your carb intake. Your carb intake. Yep. And then consider doing a, a um, what is it called? Intermittent fasting? Yes, thank you. You betcha. <laughs> intermittent fasting. Like you would probably be a really good candidate for daily intermittent fasting. All right, so let's jump into tips for successful fasting. You've learned about all the benefits. You've learned about the different types. You've learned how to track how well it's going for you. Let's talk about how you can make it not only a safe experience, but even a positive experience. And I've got to tell you, I look forward to fasting. We are starting our seasonal fast. You're crazy. Today, the day that you hear this, the the prep week of the fast is starting, and I am pumped for it, mm-hmm. which is weird. It's weird because- This is your third time doing it, This too, is my huh? fourth time. Oh, you're for it. Yep. I've done yeah. it every season for a year now, so I'm, right. I'm starting season two of Tristan's seasonal water fast, and, and I you, could not be more excited. Yeah, and if you guys are wondering, why has Unique not jumped on this bandwagon yet? I have a lot of excuses, <laughs> and all of those reasons why we checked, like we told people not to do it, I have every single one. I'm breast, well, I'm not pregnant, but I'm breastfeeding, I'm underweight, I have hormonal stressors, like way too much cortisol and adrenal fatigue. Yeah. And so, so that's why you don't hear me here, like super excited, like, yay, <laughs> let's starve ourselves, because no. 
She'll I'm never not, she'll never wean our child from breastfeeding. I will. I will. Because it's her only protection against being forced that's, into a fast by That's me. not true. The reason why she hasn't been weaned yet is because I dread the tantrums. That is, it's truly the only reason, guys. All right. So all that being said, let's talk about how to make it a good experience for you. The number one thing you can do is plan ahead. Do not wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to do a fast today because it probably won't go very well no. for you. You have to get in the right mindset. And I like a full week. In fact, I like to mentally start preparing almost a month ahead, but I need at least a week to get myself into the right headspace to start going through the process of making it a good experience. And what I mean by that is getting really familiar with why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So for me that's really easy. I had cancer, stage 4 cancer, and I believe very strongly that doing these fasts is helping my body to prevent that cancer from coming back, to metabolize some of those bad cells and keep everything working the way that it's supposed to do. So that's really simple for me. But I also am trying to add in some more of the kind of the spiritual benefits that come from fasting, which we're not really going to talk about here today, but it is an awesome opportunity for you to get more in touch with your internal self. And so those are my my reasons why. But I'm going to be focusing on those quite a bit over the next week as I prepare for this fast. And I found that it makes a huge difference when you get into the hard part of the fast where you're just craving food like crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, the next one is stop doubting yourself. And that is so big because I'm sure that most of you listening to this have been thinking, that's insane. I would never do that. And then you heard about the benefits and you're like, well, gosh, that does sound kind of cool, but I just don't think I can do that. And you keep giving yourself this message over and over again. I, I'm just not capable. That's just too hard. I'm, I'm not ready for that level of stress. Let me tell you something. You are capable of doing so much more than you believe you can do. And this water fast or bone broth fast or whatever it is you decide to do, it is nothing because you are capable. So that's that little piece of advice for you. Now, the next thing that can make a huge difference, especially in the weeks leading up to the fast, is increase your fat intake, decrease your carb intake. Why? Because that's going to help your body start to recognize the need to burn fats for fuel instead of carbs for fuel. So you can start jumping into ketosis a lot faster. So if you're doing a really high carb diet leading right up to the fast, and then all of a sudden you cut off all the foods, your body's going to run through its glycogen stores and it's going to go, whoa, what's going on here? Because it's not necessarily good at switching into ketosis automatically. It takes practice. It's like... I don't know. It takes a lot of energy for your body to utilize ketosis. It does. You know, like it's really easy for your body to just use up glucose, but it has to like take 10 extra steps to turn um, triglycerides into glucose. So, and, and if you listened to our podcast episode we did on the different types of diets out there, when we talked about ketosis, we mentioned that with the ketogenic diets, you can go through what's called the keto flu, mm-hmm. where you just feel awful. And it's because your body is trying to figure out that process still. It's creating all these ketones, but it doesn't really know what to do with them yet. Mm -hmm. And it's not very good at creating them still. So practicing ahead of time, getting your body into a state of, oh, we have all these fats, we don't have very many carbs, that can make the transition into full fasting so much easier for you. Uh, The next tip is the electrolytes. We already talked about it, so I don't need to do that right here. Yay. 
And the very last one that I think is potentially the most important of all, especially when you want to get yourself excited about it is use group support, right? Do it as a group, get your friends, get your family, get anyone to fast at the same time as you. And it will make your life so much easier because Mm -hmm. you'll have that moral support of somebody else saying, no, don't eat yet. Don't do it. You're strong. You can have your tribe cheering you on as you are doing this, as you're doing something hard. Yep. And you can all suffer together. You can, <laughs> just, only for a just minute. Kidding. You can just all kidding. celebrate to together. You can celebrate together and you can pat each other on the back <laughs> and tell each other congratulations exactly. for realizing you could do something that you never knew possible. So a lot of you guys don't, or maybe you have mentioned this in this podcast, but Tristan, Tristan, actually every three months, he does a group fast for all of our clients and our friends who want to jump on board. And he kind of just initiates this and provides the support for people to get excited about this and to implement this really incredible tool in their lives. So do you want to talk about that a little bit more, babe? I do want to talk about that because it is officially starting today, which means that prep week is already in progress for me. And what's great about that is it's not too late for you to jump on board because we still have a full week before we start the fasting. Or you can keep in contact with us and get ready for the next one in three months if you need three months to mentally prep yourself. so. <laughs> but you don't because you're capable of great things. So <laughs> if you want to learn more about this though, there is a website you can go see kind of all the details, whether that's for this fast or the one next season, which will probably happen in November. But the, the link for that is gutsy.ch slash fast. So a really easy one, gutsy slash fast. Also, there is a course that Tristan has actually put together about fasting and taking you through a fast. And tell them more about that, babe. So what's really cool about this is that I've taken all of the work out of it for you. And I know you're probably wondering, wait, when did fasting become work? You just don't eat. But it is so much more than that because of the mental preparation that goes into it. Because of how much work it is to keep yourself mentally sane during the fast Mm -hmm. and getting yourself to that point where you feel good and you're enjoying yourself. Uh, I've tried to just break it down into really simple steps. It's a two-week program where there's a week of preparation followed by five days of the actual fasting, even though you may not go the full five days yourself. And then two days of recovery where I help you come out of the fast safely and in a way that's going to help benefit you going forward. And it's a, it's a really great program. There's videos, there's written parts, there's a, some assessments that you can take. So it's, there's just all kinds of great information there. And it is, I I mean, this is my second time running it with this program Mm -hmm. and the feedback last time was awesome. There was just some really great testimonials from people who had a wonderful experience with it. People who, by the way, just like you probably were telling themselves, there's no way I could do that. And now they love it. So I highly recommend you check that out. Gutsy.ch slash fast. See if it's for you. And because you're listening to the podcast, we want to make it even easier for you. So there's a coupon to give you 50% off of that. And you just put in the code pod fast. 
P O D F A S T. That's such a cute little coupon. Thank you. I thought of it myself. (laughs) So clever. So that is Podfast for fifty percent off. And you guys, people really do rave about this program that Tristan's put together. I know I sit here and I joke about him fasting, but it 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 truly is so remarkable. So much so that we're doing an entire podcast around it. So um, so if this is something that you have been considering in your life to help propel your healing journey forward, I really seriously consider um, pod fasting. (laughs) See what I did there? Um, So so consider fasting, buy Tristan's course, do the, the, the fast with him in November. You really won't regret it. And you'll get to know him a little bit more, him and his group of pod fasters. So thanks for listening, guys. Until next week. Good talking. See ya.